All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. End of 2022, jam-packing the RSS feed until 2023. And here is another Swapcast guest appearance. My new friend, Dr. Narco Longo, invited me on to his program, one of his live streams on his channel, Old World Florida. You can find that on YouTube. And I recommend... If you like what you hear in this episode, that you go and check out the video as well. Subscribe to Old World Florida. Uh, Ben from the YouTube channel Analog joined us as well. And we discussed golf, the ancient hidden origins of golf. I found it fascinating. Some of the connections in the later part, we, we, we strayed away from golf and talked about some other things. Uh, that Ben had prepared, which is fine. And then, unfortunately, I had to go, but there was more. They went a whole hour uh, after I'd left. So this is a two-and-a-half-hour episode. Uh, I'm there for the first hour and a half. And, yeah, very fascinating stuff, uh, very speculative. You know, we don't have many conclusions in this episode, but that's part of the fun, right, is to be able to speculate. So here it is. Great episode with Dr. Narco Longo and Ben of Analog, uh, and yours truly. All about the esoteric origins of golf. Enjoy this episode. I'll see you in the outro. How's it going out there? Welcome to the Coquina Cowboys. Juan couldn't join us tonight, but we're joined with Mark. Analog. We're going to let the chat fill up for a little bit. So uh, take a spark, pour a little whatever you're drinking. Hopefully it's orange juice and uh, see you in a little bit. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. fucking yeah <laughs> all right guys so like i said tonight i'm joined by mark from my family thinks i'm crazy and a couple other shows um maybe just one more but i'm also joined by ben ben as he's known on this channel mm-hmm. from waking up with analog and as you guys can Oh, yeah. Um, As you guys can tell, we're going to be talking about golf tonight, golf courses, some burial mounds, how this all plays into the uh, ruling class, right? Because we know they spend a lot of their time on the golf courses. But uh, Mark, you were messaging me a little bit. What made you want to start looking at? 
golf courses. So I can't remember now exactly what you said during your appearance on Tinfoil Hat, but for those who have not seen it or heard it yet, please go and check out Dr. Longo's awesome appearance on Tinfoil Hat. You absolutely blew Sam away. XG, uh, sorry to leave that first part hanging there. You blew Sam away, uh, and XG and Johnny also were floored. So great job, man. And I, I was listening back to it as I do. Uh, and something you said, I don't know if it was like just an offhand comment about like golf courses being like built with mounds incorporated or something. It just struck a chord with me because, you know, I used to groundskeep on a golf course was the first job that I ever had that wasn't like working with my dad landscaping. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was an interesting job. It was sort of a, a fun experience, mystical in a certain way. Um, and I always question like what, what's up with golf courses and like, obviously country clubs have their like exclusivity and the secret society sort of feel to them. So yeah, I, I've always been curious about that. And I don't know, I think Juan also, uh, said something about this too. He tried to take credit for this idea, (laughs) but I'm not going to give him credit for this because a few months ago, actually at the beginning of of this year, my girlfriend and I went on a little hike at this place that has a bunch of Native American ceremonial stone structures. And right next door is a, you guessed it, a golf course. So I don't know if they incorporated some of the landscape into the golf course, um, but I think that's kind of my suspicion. And it's interesting because, you know, everybody who's like got like a 101 crash course and conspiracy maybe they've heard the term scottish freemasonry right Mm -hmm. and the game of golf although it comes from uh, a time before freemasonry it definitely was present uh in the minds of the people who would make up the foundations of what would become freemasonry because you know although freemasonry officially started in the 18th century its roots go very far back and people often claim that these trade guilds were, you know, alive and well throughout Europe and England for many years. And you have to imagine, you know, the types of people who were playing golf, you know, they would need some skilled craftsmen types to create the clubs and balls and even craft these courses for them to play on. So Although I couldn't find anything explicitly linking Freemasonry and golf, that was my suspicion, and and that's sort of why I leveled it to you, brother. And and I also remember when I was very young, I passed by a church that had the acronym GOLF above the door, and I looked it up, and I was like, why do they have the acronym GOLF above this door? And it's because the the acronym stood for Gentlemen Only Ladies Forbidden, and I thought that was kind of huge because – for a long time, golf was only a man's sport. They didn't let women on golf courses at all. So, you know, that's kind of interesting. There's a few connections to some ancient type of games. One that is called Shuan in China, where they sort of, uh, you know, it looks like golf, but it's not exactly golf. It's sort of a variation of, of the same sort of, tools but not the same game and then the more tantalizing 
origin of golf is a game from the Romans called Paganica. Paganica, uh, which, you know, pagan is right there in the word. And obviously the Romans were pagans, but there was that sort of period in history where Rome and then the church that took over Rome, uh, the religious group that took over Rome, they went about, you know, Christianizing all of these pagan groups. So I, I wonder again, if golf has something to do with that and, uh, and yeah, that's really where this all starts for me. Like P- Paganica sounds very fascinating. There's also a place yeah. in Italy called Paganica. Hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the Romans obviously conquered England and then Scotland is part of that. Uh, and who knows, maybe it was a carryover from the Roman culture into the uh, Isle of Britannia. But that's that's where it starts for me. Uh what do you guys think? Uh, that's great. <clears throat> that's great. That's uh, pretty much a lot of the same questions that led me to looking into golf a little deeper. Um, ben, what do you have to say about golf in, in this context? Without, well, yeah, we can just cover all sports really quick, right? Okay. Sure. Because ultimately, they're all, you know, if we're going to talk about reset ideas and previous civilizations, then ultimately, there's going to be different groups of people playing some kind of sport, right? And you'll find geometry and astrology mixed in. Mm-hmm. I know that's probably more your forte. Maybe you'll get into that. But Basketball, football, golf, polo, uh, just about all the modern sports of today are, I don't want to say corruptions, but modified versions of older sports. And yeah, some people have done really good breakdowns on this already. And maybe some of you guys out there listening know what I'm talking about, but when it comes to golf specifically, um, Mark covered a few of them there. But ultimately, when I really looked into it, it always went back to polo. Right? We're talking about golf and golf origins. <clears throat> For me, it starts with polo. And when you study the horse and the history of the horse, and um, uh-huh. it always leads back to North America. And yeah. So take it away from there. No, that's that's great. Um, you know, as Mark said, you can trace golf right back to Scotland, officially, officially uno- yeah. unofficially. And basically, as he also said, you have a connection over in China with this horseback culture, which was where it really segmented from, from polo, right? Polo culture, Mm -hmm. which is kind of horseback competitive team golf, right? Exactly. Well, when you had that going on, Hmm. How does China relate to Scotland? Well, here's the first clue. Here's the first rabbit hole, the Scythians, the Mm -hmm. Scythians, yeah. The, the Scooty, 
as they were sometimes called. The Scythians spanned pretty much what we would call Tartary, mm -hmm. right? Some would say all the way to Japan, all the way over to Hungary, Germany, even farther west west than that in some instances. And that's in the, in the like the official narrative. Yeah. The enti entire northern latitudes, in my opinion. Yeah, pr pretty much. And if if you've been following my channel, I throw it out there that they probably crossed the Bering Strait and introduced horseback uh, warrior culture well into the United States. Well, what goes right along with this horseback warrior culture is this horseback gentleman's game that was kind of reserved for the upper class aristocracy, uh, you name it. And, and I'm not saying that there weren't fun sports that people just played, you know, honestly for fun, of course, but the Scythians have their origin near China and their range was well into China as well. If you've watched my channel or channels like Robert Sepper, you'll know the Scythians can be linked, can, you know, the Scottish can be traced back to the Scythians, Scythians, however you want to say it. And it's actually the same root right there. And I've talked about a lot of um, Scythi or Scotty words, how they link with the zodiac sign Scorpio. And I actually just did a, a bunch of Scorpio words in a podcast, but a lot of these words relate to scoop, to score, to scrape, to scrap, right? These are the same root words as Scythian in Scottish, but blah, blah, blah. Let me, so clubs, the word golf actually is a, a word meaning club. Mm -hmm. And where you can trace back ancient club wielding cultures, they pretty much all have very uh, similar sports. And the Native Americans, for example, had, were told they didn't have the horse. So they kind of had a form of field hockey. And that's what turned into lacrosse. But where do we get this crossover between Scythian and Scottish? And then Scottish Freemasonry. Well, it's actually pretty evident if you know the symbols. One of the scores, one of the scoring increments in golf is actually called the double eagle. The double eagle. Well, let's look at some double eagles. This is the cover of the Grand Constitution of Freemasonry. It has a double eagle right there on the front. Yep. Beautiful. You guys see my screen? Mm-hmm. Wow. So this is a double eagle. Ottomans, Greek, Napoleon, Hitler. I'm sure you guys know the deal. The Imperial Eagle. Phoenix, some people goes back to Samaria, even. And this is a symbol that goes hand in hand with golf. How do I stop sharing my screen? <laughs> there we go. But uh, Ben, what do you have to say about that? 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> anyone familiar with what I share? Um, I've shown a lot of Scythian footprints in America, especially buried mm -hmm. ancient America. Um, they've found what they call Scythian kings in mounds in America. Mm -hmm. And what you said about clubs is really important, you know. Who else wielded a club? You know, I think of like, you know, king of clubs, card suits as well. Yep. Um, you know, Jupiter, Hercules, um, mm -hmm. the king of clubs. Right. It's it's and, like the it's like the hammer too. Mm -hmm. Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. Thor. Um yeah, I don't know where I was going. That's a, that. no, that's a huge I can jump in right now. A lot of there, brain but... fog. Please. That's all good. I can jump in right there. That's a huge connection because Jupiter, the hammer or club wielding god, often represented by the eagle. Yeah. Well, one of there's multiple golfing capitals of the world. Number one is St. Andrews, Scotland, of course. This is the old course. And the word course and the word corpse both come from the word Scorpio. Because Scorpio yeah. rules the underworld. And as we're going to find out, golf is a game of the underworld. Exactly. It is It is a golf. It is, sorry, it is a game that, that uh, you know, toys with the boundary between underworld and above world. But corpse and course, well, as we're going to find out, I think we've already divulged it. Uh, most of these golf courses were actually made on top of Indian burial grounds. You guys see my screen? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's St. Andrews. So no sport, there's no sport that is so connected to a single location like golf is. You know, there's not many sports where you can say, this is where it was invented and they still play it there today. Well, you have that with golf. This is St. Andrews. It's a city, town, uh, I don't know, whatever uh, term they use. It's a town, but it's host to what's called the old course. So this is the original golf course like first one in the world and i believe it was commissioned by queen mary of scots and you can see just how many castles and sophisticated old stone you know this stuff looks thousands of years old that bridge I think they say it's like 500 or something years old. God, who knows about that? And even these canalways. Now, if you can peek back there, that's an obelisk in the background. We're going to be talking a little bit more about that too. Because this golf course, the original golf course, has a giant solid stone obelisk on it. There's an aerial map. Some of the city downtown. Well, like uh, Ben was saying, there's 
you know, Jupiter is one of these gods. Well, another golf capital of the world is Jupiter, Florida. And this is where um, they have a PGA Boulevard. It's called, it's nickname is like Golf City. All the golf stars like retire there. Jack Nicholas lives there. I played lacrosse against his son. Now, something that Jack Nicholas's nickname is the Golden Bear, by the way. Oh, is it? Think about that. <laughs> oh, wow. From astrology to terms, you know? Right. Now, is is Mary, Queen of Scots, um, a Bloody Mary? Or is that a yes. different Mary? I think so. I think that's her. Okay. Well, check. If I think she her. is the Bloody Mary. Yeah. Well, that would be funny because you have Arnold Palmer and Bloody Mary, right? I love an Arnold Palmer. I'm not going to lie. But I've never had a Bloody Mary. So I guess let's just get into the good stuff. You know, when they started making these, these, uh, mm. when they started making these um, golf courses in America, they immediately went to the locations that had mounds on them. And you're going to see Jekyll Island golf course has an Indian mound course. Well, we know Jekyll Island is largely built on top of Indian mounds, right? You know, the famous story about uh, John D. You know who? <laughs> yeah, uh, I was actually just talking about this with uh, Minds Unveiled. Oh, wow. Um, I've been to Jekyll Island several times. Um, my family had a place in Savannah, and then we'd go there. My grandfather was a big golfer. And yeah, the history there is very interesting. You know, supposedly the first um, the first lodge was opened in America in Savannah. Mm. Yeah, Jekyll Island is very interesting. Um, wow. In many, yeah. in many, many aspects. But you'll find you just made an important, important connection. And that's Jekyll Island, Mounds, and, and then Robert Barron's. Keep going. Yep. So I'll just re read some of these headlines. <clears throat> I'll save the slave one for the end because that's not the same, but still important. Uh, uh, Indian Mound Golf Club in New Hampshire. Jekyll Island State Park, Indian Mound Course. A push to move the golf course atop a Native American Stonehenge. Historians hoping to preserve the ancient Octagon Earthworks in Newark, Ohio as a UNESCO World Heritage Site, face a problem, the golf club that leases the property. For more than 100 years, the ancient Native American mounds at Mound Builders Country Club, guys, Mound Builders Country Cl <laughs> Club. In, yeah. And remember guys, Country Club is CC33 uh, in Newark, Ohio. New Ark, the New Ark. <laughs> have been treated as hazards on its golf course. Indian Village, found in 1993, buried under the Sanctuary Golf Course in New Lenox, Illinois. Indians lived in the area as early as 10,000 years ago. Over time, the cultures changed from early archaic to Mississippian period. Blah, 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 blah. Um, the discovery of three Indian skeleton Indian skeletons during an archaeological dig in New Lenox, Illinois, in 1993, 
gave birth to the Midwest soaring. What does that say? Save our ancestors' remains and resources, indigenous network group. That's a mouthful. For the past 26 years, its mission has been not only repatriation of native remains, but the protection of sacred sites and public education of their culture and issues, said President Joseph blah, blah, blah. The, uh, this Ohio golf course built atop a Hopewell earthwork is now the subject of a lawsuit. A legal battle brews over access to some of the world's largest human-made structures of their kind. I'll repeat that. The world's, some of the world's largest human-made structures of their kind underneath a golf course. Beneath Amherst's Audubon golf course, a long forgotten mass grave. It was a secret to all but a few people with long memories in the town of Amherst. In 1964, crews working to build a new roadway on the university at Buffalo's Main Street campus dug up several graves what was all but forgotten was where the remains were unceremoniously reburied. In two locations on and near Amherst's Audubon Golf Course. Whoever wrote this is a retard. Now, the town is figuring out what to do to give the dead a proper final resting place. This is what it is. We have what we have. Now, what, <laughs> what do we do and how do we do it in the right way? Amherst Supervisor Brian J. Culpa said, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. All right, you get the idea. You know, that was just the first page of Google. There's guys. another There's another uh, golf course that's possibly more important than those. The fourth oldest golf course in America, it's the Shinnecook hmm golf course and it's called the shinnecook golf course because it's made uh on a, a shinnecock uh native american site where they had several burial mounds that were interred and removed during the building of this golf course and this golf course was built by none other than uh mr vanderbilt who of course was mm. a part of the jekyll island uh, wow. situation. So here we have a direct link between the mound crushers at Jekyll Island and the mound crushers of uh, Shinnecook Hills Golf Club in uh, Long Island, New York. So, hmm. yeah, it's it's interesting. And there's another uh, there's another golf course that I think either Vanderbilt bought or a different person bought that previously held the site of barnum and bailey's roman hippodrome so during the barnum and bailey's you know sort wow. of fame he had this roman hippodrome somewhere near new york city and uh you know had all these sorts of events there but i thought that was a bizarre like it once a roman hippodrome once a golf course you know possibly also a native american site in the far past but yeah, these golf courses get placed in specific areas, possibly, uh, you know, and I, we can't put it past these Freemasons and whatnot to have used things like geomancy, augury, divination to to sense out where these mounds were, you know. They didn't even, they didn't even have to sense them out. Every one of the founding fathers, not every one of them, but 90%, all had a house on a mound. Hmm. 
they all built their homes on mounds. You know, a lot, a lot of times <clears throat> they'll always say on a hill or it'll be on the hill and hill will be interchangeable with mm -hmm. the house mound. on the hill. Right? Yeah. High ground. Yeah. The view, the best view in town is always a mound. Mm -hmm. And since we touched on, you know, what Rockefeller's house with the, the name of his home is on Jekyll Island. It's called no. a mound house or mound home or something like that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> And uh, supposedly, supposedly the stone. Okay, so, man, I don't want to spoil this, but <clears throat> the Indians that lived on that island. Yeah. They, uh, what's the name of that fort um, that you've talked so much about? Coquina, that they were using Coquina to build? Castillo de San Marco, that's a little bit away from that one. Yeah, but they, they helped build it. This okay. is the narrative in the 1800s. <clears throat> yeah. And they were related. They the the Indians on Jekyll Island were. They never gave a number like the article you gave, three hundred plus years, but they they were many 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 generations to a Spaniard, and mm -hmm. they were like two feet taller. Right. So I think it's very similar to the Native Americans you've spoken about. And I think also, that I think that was Tamukua territory. I think that was still Tamukua. Yeah, Indians. they went by a different name, but that could just be right. Some, some rewriting. Tamukua was just a language group, officially, right? Officially, and the mm -hmm. oldest construction on Jekyll Island is Coquina. Mm -hmm. So right. I mean, so many connections, right? Yeah. And in again, this has not been confirmed, but supposedly the the Ben Ben Stone that they either worshipped or held sacred it's inside the rockefeller house I suppose, have, supposedly yeah supposedly it's the it's the actual uh dashing stone where they would the dash altar. they right. would dash um victims yeah well because so I, we haven't talked about this much they but would many, they many would cultures, rock a feller they would rock a fellow to death yeah 100 percent fell like a tree these same mm. People related to, yeah. you know, any kind of a post-apocalyptic takeover, rebranding. Um, but yeah, uh, many cultures talked about when the when the sacred stone was losing its power, what would recharge it? The blood of a goat. Hmm. And th these are cultures that had no relation to each other, you know, using mm -hmm. blood of a goat specifically. So it was very interesting. Obviously people have been used in place of that goat, I'm sure. You know, the sacrificial <laughs> oh, yeah. stories we hear are probably aren't all accurate. And I'm sure not all these people were, um, you know, savages sacrificing people, but I'm sure a lot of them were. Yep. But not to get off topic, keep going. No, that's, that's dead on. And what do a black stone and a goat have in common? They're both ruled by the planet Saturn. Exactly. <clears throat> Yeah, you know, like Capricorn, the Saturn, the goat, and we're, the bath, look where we're look where we are too. We're a week away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from, from Christmas. Only, uh, and technically, we're in Saturnalia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yesterday was uh, Saturnalia. Technically, because uh, it used to be it used to be two weeks, then it was a week. I mean, again, this is conjecture about the dates and times, and there's been so many calendar calendar changes. But I mean. We're three days away from the 21st, so 
it had to be in this time frame, I would imagine. <clears throat> you know, we're in the pits of hell. Hmm. Yeah. That's why. Well, you know, the, the candy cane is almost a golf club or, or one of these pre-golf sporting clubs like field, field hockey. That reminds me of the barber, the barber. Hmm. Yeah. Right. What's a barb? A barb is a hook, right? Kind of. Yeah. And the old golf clubs looked like hooks. Mm -hmm. They were hmm. cupped, cup shaped kind of. Yeah. The Peruvians played. Obviously, they didn't call it golf, but yeah, it's very interesting. But yeah, keep going. So, what else? <clears throat> well, let's look yeah. at. Before we go yep. too far from the Scotland thing, I just want to clarify uh, Bloody Mary is not the same queen as Queen of Scots. It actually reigned at the same time, um, hmm. but no, not not the same person. Bloody Mary was the uh, was the one who tried to kill all of the Protestants. Uh, she was termed that by her Protestant opponents. Uh, well, not tried. She succeeded at killing, I'm sure, plenty of people, but yeah, Queen of Scots is a different, different Mary. Uh, sorry to to rain on the connection parade there, but I just didn't want to go too far away from that without. I mean, I didn't know either until I looked it up. So, mm -hmm. no, that's perfect. Good. We don't want. Also, I don't know the astrology, but the first PGA started in April uh, on April 10th, and I do think. I don't know, was it April Fool's was like the Roman holiday of Hilarion or something? So maybe there's something to do with that April 10th PGA Tour starting, you know, the professional golfers. I don't know any, nothing rings a bell on that one. Mm. But um, April know. was always synonymous with the jester. So, you know, what mm -hmm. more of a perfect day for sports and bread and circus mm -hmm. you know foolishness yeah exactly yeah debauchery because as we get farther into this you'll see that it's it gets pretty dark and you know alcohol and all that stuff are tied into it mm -hmm. but yeah there's a lot of banging happening behind mm -hmm. closed doors on golf courses country clubs the cart girls, caddies, caddy culture. Anyone There's who's watched no... anyone who's watched Caddyshack, you know. Mm. There's a whole murder in uh, Tammany Parish in Louisiana, right outside of New Orleans. A very uh, famous uh, legal prosecutor. I forget what her official title is, but she's a lawyer in Tammany Parish, Louisiana, and. Uh, she was killed right outside of a golf course. And there's, there's a weird story of like the people nearby during the day of her killing, getting uh, assaulted with like, uh, like a, a storm of golf balls out of nowhere, like as if to like stop them from seeing whoever was committing the crime, like a distraction or something. So I don't know. Yeah. Golf courses even have weird murders associated with them. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah um yeah missing people missing kids it's, it's like the shining you know yeah and almost practically everyone is built on an indian burial ground i can remember when i was younger and a part of this sort of hippie outfit uh we, we call it it was uh like a somewhat of a what do you call it like a 
door to door kind of thing. We would go and get money for charity for this environmental cause. And one of the things we did afterwards was take mushrooms and, and hang out on this golf course one night. And it was like a mystical experience, like the way the moon shone over the, the track. It was almost like they aligned the golf course so that the moon would have that effect. Uh, it, I still can like see it in my mind. So just from my firsthand experience, yeah, like these places could be maybe even like liminal spaces, energy boundaries. I'd be curious to know if there's like haunted golf courses out there or places where people oh, have sure. a reputation uh-huh. of like seeing weird things on the golf courses. Oh, yeah. I've seen weird things on golf courses. <sighs> they are for sure. A lot of bad juju. I mean, think about what they're doing. You know, we necrogeomancy is a very interesting thing and it ties in with this but yeah um i'm sharing my screen really quick since we're talking about scotland oh yeah for sure and uh and you'll be able to take it away once you just see what i'm sharing here yeah but an important connection are you uh trying to share oh am i not Stop sharing. I'm sharing. It says stop sharing if I want. Let me try and... Oh, oh, there, there it is. No, I see okay. it. I see it. I see it. Okay, hold on. I stopped. So. <clears throat> I just thought this was appropriate. <clears throat> uh, um, yes. You've spoken about these images, but the tartan fabric is very important and obviously his name as well is important um yeah lots of relations <laughs> yeah. because one of his co-chief um has very tartar names so you got scotty scottish um chief wearing the tartar pattern and when you study this pattern it's the native americans um Montezuma had a pattern similar to this, the Peruvians. Um, but yeah. And then here's one other photo I wanted to share. This is what it was like before they really took them all down. Here's a golf course, and you can see they were just playing. These are all mounds in the background here. Wow. And this is how they were playing. <clears throat> That's amazing. But yeah, keep going. <clears throat> Um, wanted to finish talking about the Scottish relation. Yeah, sure. Go for it. If there was anything else. Oh, me. me. You Um, or Mark. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, let me think. Let me flip through. St. Andrew. Well, let's just talk about that. St. Andrew is the guy that they named the town after that the sport got created in essentially and saint andrew hmm. here i'll pull up a picture of him and his brother peter is also very interesting God damn it. 
There he is, St. Andrew. So there's a St. Andrews in Scotland, a city, a town. There is a St. Andrews in Florida, South Florida. Now, next to St. Andrews in Scotland, the golf capital of the world is Naples, Florida, mm. right? Naples, Florida is not so far from Venice, Florida. Now, what's also interesting is that St. Andrew is kind of a small town outside of Edinburgh or um, fuck, what's it called? Edinburgh, Edinburgh. And Edinburgh means Eden, right? Eden, Eden. Well, this little town, maybe I should go through maps if that's not too laggy. Here. We're going to go look. Basically, the exact spot where golf was created goes by the name of Eden. Huh. Eden River, the River of Eden, River Eden in Scotland, in Edinburgh. Interesting. Edinburgh, I don't know how you say it. Here we go. Oh, I was off. There it is. And we're going to see some interesting names around here. Can you guys see that okay? Yeah. It's a little small, but yeah. It's a little small. So you have Blackness Bay right here. Blackness Bay. And this river right here. So St. Andrews right here is where, God damn it, where'd it go? But yeah, that's really it. They named this river, the River Eden. And this is the mouth of the River Eden. And that's Edinburgh. And this is Blackness Bay. And then Levin right here makes me think of Levant or Levantine. St. Andrews right there. There's St. Andrews. The Eden Mouth. So Eden Mouth is what this little bay right next to where golf course was created. Mount Melville. What's the connection there? No, just Mount. I mean, not a coincidence. Oh, yes, there. yes. Mount, yeah. Well, look at this. We have Pitt Scotty. Pitt Scotty. So the Picts, mm -hmm. Scotty. Yeah. You have Pittsburgh. Ceres right here. Mm. Greek goddess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots of overlays with Florida for sure. And the Jupiter tie-in is really important. I mean, yeah. Trump, <clears throat> Trump 
I think he's his neighbor is um, the Golden Bear. Really, Michael Jordan lives close to him too. So you got Air oh, yeah. Jordan, lots of Jupiter going on there. You know. Yes. No, that's all Jupiter, Florida. Michael Jordan lives in Jupiter. It's just north of Palm Beach where I am. Um, that's all I wanted to show on the map. What else we got? <laughs> you, I got some articles. Do you want to pull up? Sure. There? Yeah. If you want me to jump into that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, you know, I could go all day with articles, but if you want to jump in, Mark. Yeah. Before we leave St. Andrew, I just want to point out that he is a patron saint of uh, Lu Luca in Malta. Uh, and he's also uh, his relics is for people who don't know when you hear the term relic and it's referring to a saint. That means their skeleton. So they have uh, the skeleton of St. Andrew in a church in Amalfi, Italy, uh, at the church of uh, or the cathedral of St. Andrew. So uh, wow. not sure how that connects to the Scots and their Freemasonry and whatnot, but it could be uh, connected. I mean, I don't know. And oh yeah, look at this. Yeah, we got we got some stuff on Scotland here, but. Uh, Oh yeah, Saint Andrew is a is a big guy. He's he's important to the, the Scots, it seems. Um, hmm, interesting. So legend states that some of the body parts of Saint Andrew were brought from Constantinople to Scotland. So although, like maybe some of his. <laughs> Maybe his skull is in Italy and his femurs are in Scotland or something. I mean, who knows? But, uh, but yeah, well, that, that's interesting that they have him spread out like that. Well, St. Andrew is the patron saint of Constantinople, if mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. So he's the patron saint of Scotland, or at least is one area of Scotland and Constantinople. You know, it's kind of, it's weird how you have like um, St. <clears throat> George being the patron saint of England and then Georgia out in, oh, yeah, you know, the middle of Russia essentially. It's just strange yeah. how they each pick their affiliations to saints. Well, once you start understanding it's, it's very astrological and these saints are, you know, what's a saint? A saint, a saint is another way of saying Saturn or Santa, mm. right? Or a patron. What's a patron saint? It's a. It's a. You're saying Saturn, Saturn, mm. or Jupiter, Saturn. Yeah, Jupiter. Exactly. Well, Father. One yeah. One other interesting Scottish connection to Saint Andrew is uh, the local superstition is to use uh, the cross of Saint Andrew to prevent witches from flying down your chimney. And they even create these things called witch balls, which I don't know, maybe golf ball. Uh, ball. <laughs> you know, maybe they. That's some... a good connection. Can we see some of those? A witch ball? Yeah, let's look up yeah. witch balls. Hold on. I know it, it, they have a variety of strange, you know, techniques for staving off witchcraft but uh, i think witch balls are traditionally made out of glass let me share my screen here yep i got you so 
Yeah, this is a witch ball. It sort of just looks like a big jug. Hmm. I guess the idea is that the spirits would be trapped inside or the witch's magic would get trapped inside of this big jug. And I don't know if you've ever like tried to use a jug like that as an instrument, but they tend to make like a really like kind of spooky noise too. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to imply it's juvenile, but it definitely is interesting that it has that sound quality too, uh, to it. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's also cool that, like, you know, in as far as as it's connected to the United States, we should point out that a lot of the Scottish immigrants that came to America settled in Appalachia, where they have this Appalachian folk magic. So, you know, a lot of the things that maybe were going on in uh, Europe in these more rural areas made their way into american culture through the appalachian culture and which influenced like everything from bluegrass and folk music to like you know mark twain and whoever else so yeah it's very gypsy very gypsy-esque yeah you also see a ton of druid themes in golf courses down here in florida because it'll be oak this oak that sherwood sherwood country club the Almost first always. golf course in America is Oakhurst. I'm glad mm-hmm. you said that. It's Oakhurst. It's in West Virginia, of all places, but um, right on the border of Virginia in West Virginia. And uh, yeah, it was made by some rich guy whose last name was Montague. And he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. And when you search him, there's a thousand other Richard Montagues that come up. But uh, but yeah, he he's the first golf course. And apparently he was very wealthy and he went over on a holiday to Scotland and decided when he came home, he would emulate the game he played over there. That's the mainstream story for the first golf course. But all of these golf courses that are like top 10 oldest golf courses, they all claim to be the oldest one. Like there's another, the one I mentioned before, Shinnecook in New York. There's one in Vermont. Uh that's another old one, but I, let's see some of their names. There's a bunch in Chicago too in the top ten, uh, and then there's the very exclusive, just titled the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. Which for people who aren't like New Englanders, Brookline, Massachusetts. I mean, that's like that's like the upper echelon of the Boston elite, you know. And that's where like MIT is and all of the you know weird experiments that go on some mk ultra type stuff happens out of there uh trump's uncle worked with mit did he not oh yeah john 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 j trump or something yeah john g trump so we got foxburg fox is a very druidic you know symbol foxburg pennsylvania uh foxburg country club that's one of the oldest uh country clubs and then of course oakhurst is the is the first oldest country club in america or golf course mm-hmm. in america when we were out filming the um filming the saxer stones documentary we were going through a big golf course out near tampa bay near indian rocks beach so right next to indian rocks beach you have all these big golf courses and um you know there was so much druid stuff and eden so you had eden being mixed in with the the druid stuff and that is scottish 
the only other place you see Eden and Druids go together is right where we were just looking at the map in Scotland, Edinburgh or Edinburgh. And you have that exact same culture or not culture, cultural, cultural motif popping up in Florida for kind of no reason. Well, when you understand that <clears throat> golf came to the Scottish actually from two directions officially, one was that Chinese sport, which I forget how to say, but Shuan. Shuan. Well, that's the horseback version that got, um, you know, merged into this kind of field hockey. Well, the field hockey side of it actually came from the Americas, believe it or not. And so the one where they were running around on foot with a club, field hockey came from what lacrosse would turn into in America. I grew up playing lacrosse, um, so I know I knew a little bit of, of the history before. Um, and did you see that comment, Ben? Mountain in Scotland called a Ben? Yeah, not a coincidence, I'm sure. Yeah, I've hypothesized in the past that <clears throat> many mountains are man-made. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah, and they a lot of them have very interesting magnetic properties. Yeah, what's a mountain? Just a big mound. What's a mound? Just a small mountain. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But uh, here, you guys see my screen? Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> so here we have what would turn into lacrosse being played by uh, someone related, related to the Temukua, I believe. Lacrosse. Now, what's very interesting about lacrosse is we'll go down. It is the oldest organized sport in North America with its origins with the indigenous people of North America as early as the 12th century. The game was extensively modified <clears throat> by European colonists, reducing the, <laughs> reducing the violence. It's still one of the most violent sports to create its current collegiate and professional form. Blah, 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 blah. So yeah, it was used as warfare history. Here's the good, good part. Lacrosse is based on games played by various Native American communities as early as 1100 AD. By the 17th century, a version of lacrosse was well established and was documented by Jesuit missionary priests in the territory of present-day Canada, Canaan. In the traditional Aboriginal Canadian version, each team consisted of about 100 to 1,000 men on a field several miles long. These games lasted from sunup to sundown for two to three days straight and were played as part of ceremonial ritual. And guys, what's ritual? Well, they're for the rich, right? Rich ritual. The golf is, you know, indicative of that. As part of ceremonial ritual, a kind of symbolic warfare. Hmm, symbolic warfare. Mm -hmm. Just like ball That's... sports of the Aztecs and so forth. They'd settle land disputes and stuff like that. Oh, and yeah. On the court. That's why it's called the court. But here's a great, here's the great part. 
a kind of symbolic warfare or to give thanks to the creator or master. So you play this to give thanks to the creator or master. Hmm. And what's the masters? The masters is the, uh, the golf tournament, right? Mm -hmm. the, the masters. Well, lacrosse played a significant role in the community and religious life of tribes across the continent for many years. Early lacrosse was characterized by deep spiritual involvement befitting the spirit of combat in which it was undertaken. Those who took part did so in the role of warriors, with the goal of bringing glory and honor to themselves and their tribes. The golf was said to be played for the creator, or was, was referred to as the creator's game. And a version of the game was called Bagataway. Bagataway. <laughs> the French Jesuit missionary. Jean de Blabla saw Huron tribesmen play the game during 1633, 1637 in present-day Ontario. He called it La Crosse, the stick in French. Uh, I'm not so sure if, if cross just roughly translates to stick. I don't think so. Yeah, I think it translates to cross. The, the cross, for sure. Yeah. Well, and if, uh, you think about, if you think about what the natives, I mean... The, the, I've looked at this a bunch, especially just specifically in New England, but like the differences in terms as it gets translated, you know, when you look at maybe the French translators compared to the English translators compared to the Dutch translators, and given that they were calling it the creator's game, referencing divinity, when Europeans heard that, they would always think, you know, they're God. So, yeah, maybe they're like, oh, lacrosse, like lacrosse, God, this is the creator's game, uh, you know. Also, Lacrosse, Wisconsin, it's a very strange place. My friend uh, Recluse, aka Stephen Snyder, host of the Farm Podcast, he recently took a trip up to Lacrosse, and there's something going on in Lacrosse, Wisconsin. There's like I, they were saying there's like something like twenty or thirty bars in this one small area, and it seems like money laundering or something weird and and there's also an occult atmosphere as well uh, certain strange serial killers in the area and other things like that so uh definitely <laughs> lacrosse is a weird weird place i don't know if there's other places in maybe canada named lacrosse but i wonder if lacrosse wisconsin is named that because it was the game was played there often i'm sure yeah yeah, definitely. That far north. I'm sure, sure every, every lacrosse traces back to this to this game. Can you imagine, too, with any kind of ceremony that goes on for days, these people are just, they're out of, it's out-of-body experience after. Oh, they're probably tripping balls on whatever mushrooms they could get their hands on. Yeah, even if you're not taking anything, three days of running nonstop <laughs> miles and miles. Yeah. I mean, you you, you watch any interviews with these ultra marathon runners, they all hallucinate. They all see f f elves, not all, sorry. Many of them see like what they call gnomes or small people. The, the animals start talking. Mm. Like you can imagine a, a, a society far more tuned to those types of things perceptually. And yeah, they were probably taking things as well, I'd imagine. So yeah, mm. you just, you can only imagine. What a sight to see, you know? 
Oh, it just said like a hundred to a thousand people on a team. I mean, that's that's warfare. They're just and they would actually kill people in Indies too. It was yeah. Not not only was it full contact, it was like you know you 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 can strike down your opponent. You were everyone was pretty much armed with that club. Yeah, I remember hearing about uh, the cross was more violent. I was like, how? Oh yeah, yeah, makes sense. But let's see. James Smith described in some detail a game being played in 1757 by Mohawk people, wherein now they used a wooden ball about three inches in diameter, and the instrument they moved it with was a strong staff about five feet long with a hoop net on the end of it, large enough to contain the ball. English-speaking people from the Mon from Montreal noticed Mohawk people playing the game and started playing it themselves in the 1830s. In 1856, William George Beers, a Canadian dentist, founded the Montreal Lacrosse Club. In 1860, Beers codified the game, shortening the length of each game and reducing the number of players to 12 per team. The first game mentioned under Beers' rules was at Upper Canada College in 1867. They lost, blah, 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 doesn't matter. So, something else about lacrosse. It is also a sport for the upper class. Um, if, you know, I grew up going to a private school for a little bit, and lacrosse is, like, ingrained into the upper class of America. In South Florida, in New England, it's big, big, big in New England. And it's really not well, uh, well known in other places. It's kind of just New England, Maryland, down to Maryland, Virginia area, where it's uh, very, very popular. But yeah, believe it or not, this sports, um, team sports contact sport, does in time turn into golf contributed to golf what would become golf yeah and this is where polo becomes relevant too because mm -hmm. like i mentioned earlier and where did marco polo go he right. went to he went to china he brought back gunpowder mm -hmm. well maybe he brought back some fun games too. Who knows? <laughs> right. <laughs> Damn. Wow. I never thought of that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You know, well, you mentioned the areas where lacrosse is played. It's also corresponds with where the tribes that played the cross lived. I mean, the whole uh -huh. Iroquois Confederacy was all spread out across that area. So. Mm -hmm. you, uh, what were you about to say, Ben? I don't remember. So good. Yeah, I mean, all these all these um, games go back to the. I don't want to say the word Aboriginal, but yeah, I was going to talk about the horse. Is what I was going to talk about. But oh yeah, the history of the horse and the, the origins of the horse in America, and um, like you said, it was a it was a sport for the elite. Um, not everyone had a horse, and just like the ball sports of the Aztecs and the Maya. The Peruvians, only the best warriors, um, and the upper echelons got to participate. And they 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 saw these sports as uh, you know divination, and astrology was a big part of it as well. The day the the mm -hmm. events were held, 
what time they were held. Um, it was all very relevant. And in a sense, you're kind of mimicking. It's like as above, so below these games. Um, if anyone studied the geometry of, you know, the soccer field and the football field and the shape of the balls and the number of stitching baseball, you know, I mentioned the baseball was created by the Phoenicians. Yeah, mm. nothing's n nothing's on accident. You know, the number of stitches on the ball is very purposeful. The yeah. shape of the field, um, 10 yard increments, the size of the end zone, all these things were divinely proportioned. And yeah, you can only imagine mm. when you mix hallucinogens into the subject, how important these things were. And we know hallucinogens were for the elite only. And in some cultures, they were for, you know, the priest and upper class, obviously, only. But yeah, you know, what's, you know, what's funny is I have taken hallucinogens and played lacrosse in in maybe not Jupiter, but close to Jupiter, Florida. <laughs> Crazy. That's well, a weird yeah, place. I've never time. been to Jupiter Island, but I just I've studied it enough through golf and and Trump and the community that they all live in there and why all these famous people love living there. And I've told you about the history of some of the mounds they've uncovered there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's pretty, it was a dark place. Like I said, mm -hmm. there were a lot, one of the largest mounds uncovered there, they found Ooh. 300 decapitated people. Ooh. And what is the head, you know, thinking about Yeah. It. Go ahead. No, I just made a big connection that I didn't make in, until you were just somewhere along what you just said. We were just talking about Marco Polo, okay? Yeah. In in Key Marco or Marco Island, Florida, where you have one of the most significant finds in American archaeological history with these masks and dog yeah. dog head cat Anubis mm -hmm. figurine, right? The yeah. jackal the jackal dog. It's a jackal right. dog, like Jekyll yeah. Island. Well exactly. that's that's Marco Island. And we're just talking about Polo. Well, Naples, which is where, if you go search, go search, guys, golf capital of the world. It's It won't even say Scotland. It'll actually say Naples, Florida, for some reason. Naples, Florida is essentially Marco Island. That It's a little island just down south of Naples. So, you know, a bit of a stretch, but a connection. Marco island gulf yeah Capital and you know you need and it's in the gulf it's on the gulf coast of florida mm. Mm. Yeah, you know, that article i shared with you about the underground cave where they found mm. the inscription about the danes the dons that were visiting and got lost and the inscription was from a priest named Marco Polius. Mm -hmm. No came, coincidence. Came to Mexico, Florida, pr probably the whole Gulf. I mean, why yeah. wouldn't you? Any explorer would be chasing good weather. And if you're chasing good weather, it's going to either lead you to the Mediterranean Sea or the Caribbean. You know? Yeah. And, and like we've talked about, when you're coming from the Med to here, that's the way you're going to go, you know. That's just the way migration nurse taught to us in school 
don't make any sense when you're looking at it from a seafaring people. You know, like the story that the Chinese came here, well, it makes more sense that the Peruvians went to China, right? Hmm. When you just think about it from a um, merchant class, right? We talked about the Phoenicians. What was the point of keeping America so secret? So on and so forth. The, we, it always goes back to the Gulf. Whenever you talk about the Med, you know, and I sent you that PDF about all the astronomical and geological, geometric correlations between the, the Mediterranean and the Gulf, you know, how could you not see the correlation? And then on the, mm -hmm. the Gulf Stream, you know, I hypothesize the Gulf Stream is man-made. And mm -hmm. Florida, the Yucatan <clears throat> as well. Probably Cuba. But yeah, anyways, don't want to get off topic. But yeah, no, it, it always goes back to Florida. It's crazy. With, uh, it's not my doing. With yeah. golf and, and lacrosse, another possible connection. Uh, lacrosse, it, it said that during the you know ritualized uh, original lacrosse games, they would have a, a bunch of ceremonies, one of which was dipping their sticks into the water and on golf courses obviously they have water featured throughout you know it's a major aspect of the course and i'm sure there's probably some kind of le legend of like a guy who got like a better streak of golf after he like dunked his you know club in the water or something mm -hmm. you know maybe he screwed up and it ended up him getting a better score yeah. than have. you know I, i'm sure there's some sort of golf lore that i'm just not tapped into it's like a, it's like achilles i mean mm -hmm. and and the achilles water that he dipped into is mm -hmm. largely the, the same it's the it was the river of sticks is that right he got dipped into i could be wrong i could be way off on that sounds right the river That's of sticks was the one to the underworld i'm pretty sure well he got dipped in the sacred water that helped inspire the Fountain of Youth myth. Um, the Spanish were searching for the Fountain of Youth when they came here. Um, it makes sense. And they were in Edinburgh, Edinburgh, the mouth of Eden, where this sport was created. Six plus six plus six equals 18 holes. Good comment, Carney Schill. Um, I had that written down. But you got to, got to it first. Um, also, in St. Andrews, something we forgot to bring up before we moved way too far away from it. In St. Andrews, I was, I was going through all the features of that course. And they actually had different names of the courses. Um, Hell Bunker, like the Hellfire Club from, uh, are they from Scotland? I think they're from Scotland, right? London, no, England. Okay, so London. Well, it's all tied in with each other. <laughs> exposed, but Eden Bunker, Hell Bunker, Elysian Fields. Well, there you go, big one. Seven Sisters Bunkers. Oh, that's your that's your Pleiades. Yeah, right there. and you know this um, is Seven Sleepers. And and what's a par? If if this sport is coming from from Eden or places named after Eden in Scotland. Is it a really far of a jump to say that par is par red dice? Par dice? I don't know, guys. Uh, Makes me think of dice, too, another game. 
Also, what's a turkey? Why is a turkey a scoring increment in, right? Yeah, I was going to talk about that, but thank you for going there. And do you guys know what bogey means? Bogey means impending fear or like a, a dread. Huh. Around, know, around where I live, it bogeys a cigarette, <laughs> like a loose hmm. cigarette. Like you want a bogey, go smoke a bogey. Like that's the sort of uh, lingo. I don't know how, how much that's spread uh, across the country, but at least around here they say that. Mm -hmm. So turkeys in bowling and golf, guys. So turkey is a legitimate golf term. Yeah, I know it's used in other sports too, but it is a golf term. Well, well. you know, turkey was going to be the national bird, according to Benjamin Franklin, until yep. uh, someone else decided you know, the eagle. A lot of people said that it was like a dragon, that it was the phoenix, that the turkey was the phoenix. Yeah. And what's the symbol of the Ottoman Empire or the Byzantine um, is the double-headed eagle, phoenix, turkey with their crescent moon symbol. Um, I'm gonna do a brother. I'm gonna do an episode with my brother on the Byzantine Empire. Yeah, I'm coming up soon about how they are pretty much never brought into the conversation in these Tartarian uh, conversation, these Tartarian, um, you know, shows and videos, presentations, and they pretty much are the Tartarians. The, yeah, Constantinople the, is an insane place. Yeah, you know, but it's more modern. It was probably one of the most important pieces of land in the world. And it's a it's a well-kept secret of history. It was yeah. like it was like West Tar Tartaria, essentially. Western Tartaria was the Byzantine Empire. Because what's Byzantine? That's the intersection point between Greek and Russian culture. Yeah. And well, on my channel in Florida, we have a lot of intersecting of Greek and what we call Russian or Tartar culture right the tartar of the seminoles yeah yeah and polo was very 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 popular there oh fuck i need to get oh i just thought of something so good okay just uh sh shoot the shit while i look up this picture i have some very interesting articles about constantinople okay, if you want well, me to share one i can do that but constantinople you... is built on a city of ruins i mean there's like four consecutive in the 1800s, they were doing excavations, I think it was for waterworks. And they went down like four different civilizations. Uh, it's just absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, um, I remember reading that uh, Gotland, which we talked about, Constantinople, and obviously, in my opinion, Florida, were three of the most important trade routes you know, obviously I'm leaving a lot of touch there, but, um, and the predominance of Arabic coins, as I've discussed, you find the most in Gotland, you find the most in Constantinople, and you find the most in America in Florida. Mm, you know, not to wow. mention all your work with the Seminoles and the tartan clothing, which ties in with what we're talking about. The tartan is tartar, the tartar women and men wore that, that pattern is all over the world. You know, it's funny with the, with the Spanish Empire, they can kind of just blame anything Arabic or Moorish on Spanish um, Spanish treasure or just leftover Moorish 
influence on Spanish culture when it was clearly not influence. It was full-fledged Moorish culture, dress, lifestyle. You can see those pictures, even the way the guys are leaning over on the couch. The kingdom of uh, Galatia, too, has all these sort of like Moorish elements to it. We were talking about the St. Andrew's Cross before. Well, they have the St. Andrew's Cross all over their flag. And uh, even today, the the town of Galatia, the port of Galatia, has that same symbol. Yes. Yes. Also, we're going to get into the Gulf War a little bit here and how the Gulf War was largely a Gulf War. <laughs> it was fought largely on the Gulf course, the Gulf, the Gulf War, if that makes sense. But I had a really good, I have a good picture here. Ben, I'm gonna let you uh, present your stuff. <laughs> but, um... I have a picture here of a Seminole Indian playing golf with what with white people back in like the 20s. Really? I don't want to see that. I can just read this Constantinople article while you're looking through, if you don't okay, mind. Okay, yeah, that'd be great. This is Thanks. from 1884. <clears throat> Constantinople, the ruins of Constantinople, built atop an ancient city. Constantinople is notoriously a city built on ruins. Every time a new house is erected, numbers of ancient relics are brought to view. The trustees of the American Bible House in that city are making an addition to their fine building and have found a regular maze of ancient foundations at from 10 to 25 feet below the surface of the ground. Some of the old walls contain great bricks, 14 inches square, as hard as stone, and each stamped with a name in Greek characters. It seems to be uncertain whether the name of the bricks is that of the maker or that of the emperor. Some of the bricks are marked Kutan, Others, Kantans. Others yet have besides a name, a date which corresponds to the year 507 AD. The cement in which these bricks are laid is as hard as a rock. It is difficult to get them unbroken, but specimens of quite a number of stamped bricks will be preserved at the Bible House for the inspection of the interested. Wow, that's insane. In one part of the ground is a large cellar which extends under an adjoining street and of which the vaulted roof is supported by great monolithic columns which bear the cross on their capitals. It is quite probable that a Christian church or monastery once occupied this site, although not a single inscription has been found whereby to identify the structure. Under the foundations of the Christian edifice were found fragments of sculpture that date from heathen times, a Corinthian capital and some fragments of cornice is beautiful red marble, suggests that a splendid building stood here before the Christian church was built. Now, this is a narrative I cover a lot. Um, If you're new to my material, the Christian church is always built on top of old ruins. The the Spanish church, the Catholic church, Catholic predominantly, but in one part of the ground were found several graves. Each one was covered with tiles evidently made for the purpose. They were about 16 inches wide and 30 inches long. 
They were, when in position, arranged on the edge, meeting over the body like a roof to keep the earth from contact with it. There was no inscription on any of these tiles and nothing to fix the period of the tombs, except the copper coin, which had been placed in the mouth of each corpse for Sharon's fee. These wow. coins from 260 to 282 AD. The skeletons found in these tombs were naturally mere dust, 1,500 years of inhumation. The great joints of the legs are remained and intact. The skulls fell to powder once opened to exposure. In each tomb was a glass vessel, but in every case, hopelessly broken. Anyways, it just goes on from there, but it's built on top of giant ocean, this this whole area. Oh, that's great. And, yeah. you know, that's just one. I have several on Constantinople. Turkey is like this endless gold mine of connections to America. You know, I, I showed that map um, on a live stream a couple of days ago. It's on my Instagram. The what if scenario on whether if America never entered World War One and the Central Powers won and America, you know, got basically divvied up to uh, Germany. Prussia and um, uh, or they labeled it New Prussia. They labeled America New Prussia. And Florida was distinctly handed over to the Turks. And the keys of Florida were the Turkeys. And, Love it. Yeah. And we talked about, I think we did, maybe not. The, the oldest petrified animal found in America was a turkey. Really? And, oh, sorry, the oldest mummified huh. animal was a turkey found in Arizona. That's even great. In Arizona, do they even? Sorry, that it? was on Karimo, Karimo's show, oh. part six I did with him. He covered did... that article. But yeah, they mummified a king, and with him in his tomb was a mummified turkey. Goddamn. Yeah. Mm. Um, obviously, Constantinople will get us off the topic a little bit, but but that's there's. Yeah, it's an amazing place. All good. Mark, you got to head out in a little bit. Yeah, I don't know how long you guys are planning on going, but uh, I got to jump off at 1030. I just want to point out, it's funny we mentioned uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, in this episode because she is the first recorded female golf player ever. I uh, just found that here. And golf was banned by King James because mm -hmm. he felt like people should be doing archery. James, um, but, the, James the fourth. Uh, yeah, yeah. It seems like uh, James two, James second. Okay. Yeah. So, but and then there, the Irish folks probably get mad if we don't mention this. Uh, there was a game that preceded golf in Ireland amongst the Gaelic tribes called hurling, which probably had a different name. Uh, Kambuka was like a Celtic kind of Celtic mm -hmm. version of it. But uh, I don't know if we mentioned that earlier, but it seems like, yeah, maybe there was a connection. There is notice between the, you know, Northern people of, the Britannica area and the tribes of New England. You know, I think it's not coincidental that they call that place of New England uh, because it seems like people have been traveling along the Gulf Stream. As you mentioned, uh, analog, you know, Ben, before you mentioned the Gulf Stream being man made, I, you know, I haven't seen anything about that. That's my first time hearing that. It's very interesting and it would make sense given how 
like anomalous it seems like it doesn't seem like we have anything quite like the Gulf Stream anywhere else on the planet and I often have wondered if maybe in the time before the uh, most recent recorded cataclysm the flood that everybody sort of knows about throughout all cultures like maybe the Gulf Stream used to go into the Mediterranean and that's why that area was like this amazing place where like all of these religions are said to be like you know founded and whatnot maybe the that was like because in the ancient past before this flood that Gulf Stream led straight into the Mediterranean making like the that like union between the gulf of mexico and the mediterranean these two places mm -hmm. where we They're have married for sure pyramid cultures and all of these advanced civilizations i mean it, it not that finland and like that the scandinavia area doesn't have stuff like that it's just very different from you know what we have in the with the mediterranean cultures and the cultures around the gulf of mexico and even i mean in asia like you don't see I mean, obviously, the Chinese are rumored to have much more pyramids than they show us, but it even seems like in Asia, a lot of the pyramids or, or megalithic structures are closer to the ocean than they are inland, you know? So I wonder if that has something to do with uh, it being, you know, this Gulf Stream culture that clearly knew how to travel very long distances on the ocean. Well, let's... yeah, I haven't, I haven't spoken much publicly about and I'm probably the only one saying that the Gulf Stream being man-made, but I've talked to Longo about this and I've shared some of my articles that are out there publicly that reinforce my opinions about this. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. When you start to, if you're open enough to talk about giant trees and the um, terraforming of continents, which is something that I've been talking about for a long time. Um, I think the whole Gulf was shaped by man, the Yucatan, and Florida are identical, and geologists say that they're enigmas, um, just the way that they're made. They look like Tokina. They just look like they're built. Same with Gotland. Gotland is built of tropical Kakina. You know, that doesn't make sense. No. Um, and yeah, so what you said about the Mediterranean, um, I think the Nile and the Mississippi are mirrors of each other. Um, they're sisters. Yeah. Um, and ISIS. And, the river, and, the, right. the real river Isis. And the latitudes correspond um, very much. And the the, geom the geometry of the Mediterranean and the Gulf of Mexico have mm -hmm. a so many... They're like this. Yeah. They're like this. They're not yeah. mirrored like this. No. It's like this. Mm -hmm. Where the um, Mississippi goes in here and then uh, the Niles down here. Yeah. It's like that they're mirrored you know but and i think in a previous age you know we talked about time and you know florida was you know the capital you know and then egypt became the capital you know there's two types of time you know kairos divine time that comes mm. from cairo mm. i've showed uh, the picture of horus well hours an hour is a horus yeah. hours are horus the horizon horus sun Exactly. Time, yeah, Egyptian time versus um, what would you call the other one? Cairo, Cairo time versus what? Kairos is divine time. Okay. Which is where Cairo gets gets mm -hmm. its name. 
But yeah, and you know that they, they used to base. I don't think the calendar, but our measurements of time were based starting instead of where they are in England. Or am I getting that right? I can I remember the name? Greenwich Mean Time. Greenwich. Thank you. Yep. It was uh, the, it was Giza before yep. that, mm-hmm. and I think maybe even before that it was Florida, or at least the Gulf. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, let's let's look right there in the word golf course. Probably should have just came right out right out of the bat with this. Golf course is pretty much the same word as golf stream. Golf, golf course is the path that a river takes. A stream is a is yeah. water is water, water take, taking a path. Mm-hmm. So golf stream and golf course are largely the same word i mean so not not only that not only that in the word course as i said before they come from the same astrological root of scorpio Mm. which is where you get corpse and course well horses are built on top of corpses as we just saw without a doubt you know without a doubt yeah they they even tell you that in the names of the mounds, Indian Indian Mound Country Club, Jekyll Island, you know, burial mound course and stuff like that. But yeah. I, I said I had a picture of a Seminole playing golf. Yeah, let's see it. And let's see one of those. Mark, before we lose you, do you is there like any questions or anything you want to cover before you have to go? I uh yeah, no, I, I think it's fascinating to look at uh, the origins of this. And no, I, I don't have anything really to, to finally ask, but I appreciate the opportunity. This is really cool to, to see the, the picture. And yeah, a good way for me to, to, to exit. So if anybody wants to look at some of the, the stuff I'm doing, it's right here on YouTube. Just search my family thinks I'm crazy. And uh yeah, hopefully have you on my show, Esoteric America, both of you talk about uh, wherever you're from or, or really anywhere in America. Uh, lately, we for the past month, we've talked about Austin, Texas, and found some really strange stuff about Austin. It's the first uh, serial killer and the first school shooting that have taken place. also very Masonic is austin texas they've got this owl building uh very strange stuff but anyways yeah i'd love to have you both on that show as guests eventually uh whenever you can and appreciate you uh taking my (laughs) comment and spurring it into an idea for a show this is fun and i hope people enjoy uh the the look into the past you know because you you find all these things that they just a didn't have time to teach you in school and b didn't probably want you to learn about so yeah yeah i'm happy to, i love to. i'd love to talk more for sure all right, all right guys well appreciate it take it easy uh have a good rest well, of your hang time. on hang on hang on let's slow down <laughs> guys go check out mark at my family what else are you featured on because I know you do at least one other show. Yeah, well, Esoteric America. Um, and then I do a show with my friend Michael Wan. You could find that 
on any podcast app called Susquehanna Alchemy. You just search Susquehanna Alchemy and you'll find the show that him and I do together. Obviously, my family thinks I'm crazy is on all the podcast apps. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's all. those are all the shows that I'm on. Um, as far as like working on shows, I do work for uh, the Tinfoil Hat podcast. So yeah, go and watch <laughs> Dr. Narco's recent episode on Tinfoil Hat because it was really good. And uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be doing uh, we'll be doing more episodes hopefully soon. Uh, Juan and I have we we used to do a show called Illuminati Confirmed. But after you were a guest, uh, we we haven't done an episode. And, uh, yeah, we're planning a new show, uh, taking a different approach to our podcast. And, uh, yeah, you, I'm sure you'll be invited onto that. But we don't have a name for it yet. So just look, look forward to that soon. For sure. Yeah. Love to come on. Big fan of Michael Wong. Love his oh, work. Right yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, Mike is uh, – He's a, he's become a good friend of mine through podcasting. It's really cool to to meet all of these folks, you know, uh, in person. So I hope to come down to your little magic bookstore there one day, uh, Doctor Narco and Ben. Obviously, I don't know where you're located, but we definitely ought to. Uh, I'll let you know what I got going on in New Haven. We got some tours that I do. If you're ever interested in in, in coming up to New Haven, and uh, I'm about so as far away from you as I can get. <laughs> well i'll let you i'm uh, in oregon well, you know we are we are kind of all in yeah every, we are every corner it's like a perfect little triangle we yeah some someone in uh san diego or something coast to coast well good thing it's still coast to coast uh although you guys are losing the north coast but uh peace i love it great episode uh continue your greatness take it easy guys thanks mark. peace peace mark look at that all righty. Well, you got some golf-related articles? Oh, you know I do. Yeah. All right. And before we run out of time, I'll just make a nice little perusing through them. Sure. Because you know, yeah. we it would probably take just the two whole two hours just to cover a few of them. But, yeah. So I share my screen. We can start here. Absolutely. We're going to start with Robert Barons and golf. All righty. Ohika Castle, Otto Kahn Estate. Auto con, um, yeah, auto con. Jesus, it gets juicy. Auto, yeah, exactly. Auto con. Wait till you see his signature. Um, yeah, when I first started 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 studying robber baron stuff, uh, one thing that always stuck out to me was golf courses. Uh, coincidentally, of course, auto con. Here he is. Hmm. His signature. Does anything look weird there? Um, what do you see in his signature there? It looks kind of like an onk. Uh, like the sigil of Saturn, perhaps. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Doesn't it? Absolutely, it does. It is. <clears throat> it um, is. but no, yeah, it's... um, this kind of just goes into um mounds, um, all of the robber baron's homes. Anyone that's dug into this stuff enough. And his name's Seth. Sorry to cut you off. So a uh, Saturn. Oh no no! This his... is Otto Kahn. This oh, is his. Guy. This okay. is his designer who designed okay. the very first like ten. Um, but yeah, this is Otto Kahn. His background is super interesting. Uh, Robert Baron stuff for sure. The name is kind of a dead giveaway. Um, Seth Rainers uh, founded the, the USGA. 
<clears throat> amateurs, um, you know, MacDonald. We've covered a little bit of the MacDonald name, the importance there. Um, he studied, not this, this guy went to England and studied all of their sites, um, courses and wanted to replicate their courses here in America. Um, one of his first ones was Sleepy Hollow. Interesting. Mm. If anyone knows yeah. the history of Sleepy Hollow, yeah. Sleepy Hollow belonged to the beauty in Briar Cliff, New York, the Vanderbilt's Robert Baron home. Mm. Um, before this picture was taken like this, it was covered in ivy, the almost the entire front part of the building, which is kind of a giveaway on age, right? First pictures from, I'm sure you've seen those too. You know, a lot of these early first so-called photos of these structures, they're covered in ivy and they're what, you know, two years mm -hmm. old. Exactly. And you never see it. And here's the thing with masonry and photos, people. Um, when they break ground, it's very sacred. And the setting of the cornerstone and all these things. So when you see a, a building that's, and you got the, the fabled vanilla sky, you can see the, the editing here. Um, and like I said, the building was covered in ivy. So hmm. far older than built in the 1800s. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Here's, here's where I sh superimposed the Saturn glyph over his signature. Oh, that's just, perfect. Just to kind of show people. Um, and this shows Sleepy Hollow's neighbors. You got Rockefeller Park, Sleepy Hollow Road, entrance to Rockefeller, Rockefeller State Park. Wow. Um, here's another neighbor is the Kaikwit. I don't know how to pronounce that, so apologies. John D. Rockefeller Estate, same thing. First pictures of this building is completely covered in ivy. Mm -hmm. Very, very old. Um, then another neighbor, uh, Rock, Rock Wood Hall, Rockwood wow. Hall, Gilded Age. William Rockefeller, second largest home in the U.S. And something I didn't say. So this, this building here, um, third largest building. Okay, mm. 18, 18 hole golf course. Um, when it was originally built, it's built on the highest part of the property. They said they had to spend an exorbitant amount of money to reshape the land to get the house on the highest part, which we both know what that means. It was built on a mound and they didn't reshape anything. The house was already here, same with Sleepy Hollow. Um, the Vanderbilt estate, like I was talking about, um, is the correlation here. It goes to the that Asheville, the Vanderbilt mm -hmm. Biltmore estate. Also an 18-hole golf course. Um, Rockwood Hall, another 18-hole golf course. This was turned into a um, golf club. Hmm. So all of these houses had 18-hole golf courses on them with mounds. Uh, mounds are in the name, and some of the holes are named after mounds. Hmm. Yeah, this one eventually becomes... This picture is from like 1880, 1890. And look, I mean, this much... I, I, Ivy grows fast, but anyways... <clears throat> And yeah, the oldest, oldest Moorish building, Moorish Revival poured concrete building in America, in St. Augustine, Villa Zoreda, some of the oldest pictures you can find of it, and it's engulfed in ivy. In, in ivy. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And, like, and and when when they, when they landscape, they don't really like that look, you know, so they mm -hmm. often trim it. But you'll find, yeah, the ivy is kind of a giveaway for me. Um, so the Rockwood Hall Estate, adjacent to the property, this is an odd connection. I'm just going to make really quick before I move on. On the property, like literally right next door, is a place called Regeneron. Okay, really huh. weird looking place. 
bastion looking star look, forward building it's like and bat wings too look at look at what they were responsible for remember rock rock ball oh my god it's rock i just said it's i just said it looks like bat wings yeah and the fucking we're not gonna say that word yeah and and so here's <laughs> but, what they're responsible for okay if that's not a dead giveaway on wow. adjacent property to rockefeller and during you know what regeneral made a deal with the u.s government biomedical advanced research team to off the authority that the government would fund 80 percent. and if anyone's seen the numbers on that now it's quite astonishing how much money that was and yeah so very important i think ties in with a lot of what we've talked about uh here's the rockwood hall estate that i was mentioning sold to rockefeller for three million before all that other stuff was built again the ivy i showed you the earlier picture this is a different angle spent three million dollars on this place um again it's on the highest part of the property wow here's a little more on regeneron which is off topic so i won't go on it too much but look the building address is 777 and 303 wow. is the road that goes underneath 777 huh. so kind of a giveaway there right <clears throat> yeah with the bat wings and the bat virus that's insane yeah yeah no coincidence um where was I? I wanted to go after that okay here's where i wanted to go next so this is yorktown fort becomes a golf course here's an old picture of the star fort that is yorktown wow yorktown virginia is what we're talking about for those who are listening here's the article i'm just going to read golf on the battlefields ancient game usurps a still more ancient pastime Devotees of the royal and ancient game will soon be swinging the driver and the mashie over the historic fields of Yorktown, Virginia. A $3 million resort hotel is in course of construction in the vicinity as an adjacent ad adjunct Sorry, to the hotel. There will be two 18-hole standard golf courses and a five-hole practice course for the neophyte to try out his prowess what on. What the fuck? Yeah, neophyte, odd word. That's uh, yeah. One of the one of the long courses will extend directly across the battlefield. The third tee will be almost on the exact spot where Cornwallis surrendered his sword to Washington. Surrendered his sword <clears throat> in the near distance. As the player passes on in his round, he will be able to see the old houses where the American and the British commanders had their headquarters during the siege. More house where the terms of the surrender were made is still standing and will be right on the border of the course the ancient redoubts gun pits and trenches redoubts star fort and trenches mm -hmm. are scattered over the territory and will be traversed by the new fairways although it has been definitely stated that none of these historic excavations will be used for bunkers bunkers star yeah forts, there you go that's 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 yeah. the no coincidence before bunker, I bunker. we before we end tonight I'll postulate some of my ideas of star forts and golf courses and mounds they're all tied into each other mm -hmm. suitable tablets will be put up to identify these spots imagine the plight of the dub accustomed to plow up the greens and fairways with his mashie up comes a sodden chunk of sod and there is a hole a rusty old bayonet or perhaps who knows the gaping skull of some warrior of a bygone day. In a year, the Greens Committee ought to have quite a valuable collection of relics. So, yeah, one of my favorites. Go ahead and jump in there if you have anything you want to say before I move on. No, that's a 
That's a really, really good one. Um, that's not the only battlefield. Um, there are golf courses built over battlefields. And I, um, <clears throat> again, this is an older presentation. I don't have a lot of it public, so I'm just kind of sharing what I have. But um, So this is a Google image of um, a golf course with a sports complex. You'll see the geometry here, the star. You'll either have a four-leaf clover type, sh type shape or a star. Um, and when you look at golf courses, at least half the time, you're going to have a sports complex in an interesting geometric shape, and then you're going to have a concrete company. Hmm. And this is important because mounds, stone, and star forts. Um, you'll find that many of the American star forts, which folks, there were as many in America as, they, as you're familiar to seeing in Europe. They just weren't as documented or the, the documentation has been lost. Mm -hmm. um, you've seen some of my stuff. I showed you the images of Florida from the from the war maps, the Civil War maps. Florida had 30 starports, right? Mm -hmm. um, but they're dismantled or they're covered or both. And mm -hmm. they're dismantled and taken apart. And that's why the concrete companies are so important. They go hand in hand when you're crushing stone. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, these Lafarge, Baldwin, Semex. Not only are these companies related, but they're large sponsors of golf tournaments. Wow. And we've talked about what can what coagulant they need for concrete. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Blood. Blood. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll kind of shy away from that topic. Um, but People can kind of fill in the blanks there. Um, and then I'll yeah. get into some of my newspaper articles <laughs> well, in a moment after that. What do they yell when they saw someone pointed that out? And I pinned the comment earlier. Um, what do you yell? What do they yell when you're about to drive? Four. And what's a four? It's a fort. Quarantine. Fort. Four. Fort. Yeah. Exactly. Quarantine, Quar quarantine too. Yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, the naval term again. Corn, quarantine. Yeah. Like corn. We got the corn emoji. Uh, I didn't make that up. relation. I like that, though. Yeah. Cornwall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. Did you think about that, too? Is like maybe you'll find relics while you're playing. I mean, that, come on. Mm -hmm. um, we'll go into that article just because we're getting low on time here um, that I shared with you, and we'll finish the rest of it. There's, there's a little bit more to it. Golf and gravestones. Miss Mech, Mech, okay, we've talked about that name. Mackie, McKay, yeah. McKay, Mac, right? Yeah. It goes back to Scotland. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also that name is, <laughs> you find a lot of Sephardic. Mick, Mikasuki, Mikanos, Micmac. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the, and the Micmac relation is super interesting because mm -hmm. their language is about as akin to Egyptian as you can find, especially and, there. And shout out to Ross. Britain's hidden history, Ross. Guy just passed away. God bless him. R.I.P. Probably because he was uncovering such insane truth. Um, go check out Britain's hidden history, Ross. He has shown that Egyptian hieroglyphics is Welsh language made made visual. Right? Love it. And you know that we have Welsh Welsh Indians in America, of course. Oh yeah, we've covered that. Yeah. 
I don't think we have on the show, but we can go into that another time. But yeah, the Welsh Indian topic is super interesting because then we get into uh, the Danes again and the Vikings and mm-hmm. Florida. Yep. <laughs> it's all related. It's pretty crazy. Anyways, Miss McKay found Negro Cemetery where she planned links from the New York world. If anybody has a cemetery on his hands and doesn't know how to get rid of it, <laughs> he should study the methods recently employed by Miss Clarence H. McKay. Oh my God. This article's from like 1902, I think, New York. The beautiful young wife of the millionaire owner of Bannistar and of one of the finest country places on Long Island. After many months' search of all the country within easy distance of the city, Mr. and Miss McKay purchased the Stephen Tabor estate at Roslyn. No coincidence there, don't you think? Roslyn. Mm-hmm. Roslyn Chapel. Yeah. Again, we're yeah. talking about McKay. Mm-hmm. And prepared to transform the 700 acre of woodland into a paradise. First, they settled on the site for the house, the highest a, hill on the estate. A and paradise. Yeah, I know. So many good words in this one. And incidentally, the highest hill on Long Island. Then came the plans for the structure itself. And this is where it gets good. An immense pile of granite, 238 feet wide and 110 feet deep with numberless extensions and additions, one of which is a glass conservatory, 100 by 100 feet. Next came the barns, training sheds, and paddock for the horses for riding, driving, racing, and polo. Again, polo is really interesting. Hopefully we'll get into some of those articles too. But, um, Mr. McKay had gathered together. Okay, so again, we'll go over that really quick. 238 feet wide, immense pile of granite. 238 feet wide, 110 feet deep. So they're building on top of the highest hill on the estate an immense pile of granite. Mm. 110 feet deep. Think about that, right? Yeah. Almost 10 stories. Okay, they're not talking about the building being 10 stories. So are they, they saying all the granite was brought up there, or there's a massive granite that they formed into great the question. structure at the top? I, I, no, I, one's, I, no one's bringing that much granite to the top of the no, hill. No, they're not. That's and, and Remember, with the time frame we're talking here, the amount of labor, and uh, there's something left astray there. We'll um, get into it, hopefully the next part Mm -hmm. then the building of the road from the station to the mansion on the top of the hill occupied the attention of the mckays a corpse of mechanical engineers landscape gardeners and an army of workmen recently the workmen of laying out a golf course and polo ground was undertaken that led up to the surprise that for a few minutes plunged mr and miss mckay into despair the golf course it was decided should be laid out at some distance from the mansion in a section of the estate that had hitherto been given practically no attention. Mr. and Miss McKay and a landscape gardener rode over to the proposed scene of the golf course and were looking over the grounds when they were surprised to see a funeral procession approaching. The mourners were all Negroes. Their surprise deepened into a shock when they saw the procession turn into a section of the McKay estate and closer investigation revealed a little graveyard behind a clump of trees. The existence of a cemetery had never before been suspected. There was a new made grave 
and the mourners solemnly proceeded to lower it into a coffin. Just where the cemetery was, the McKays had planned to erect a very superior bunker. The cemetery was a poser. Mr. McKay had never dreamed that a graveyard had been included in this purchase of the Tanner estate. But there it was, with dozens of monuments, headstones, neatly sodded graves, family plots, and other evidences that it had been there for a long time. We're talking a giant mound, okay? And how did he not, they didn't explore their property, you know? And they're building a, a hundred foot deep granite right. building on the largest mound on Long Island. I mean, come on. Mr. That's and Ms. McKay held a consultation and discussed the feasibility of changing the site of the proposed bunker. This idea was abandoned and it was reasoned that the golfers would have to play in the near vicinity of the cemetery anyway, and always with the chance of a funeral appearing. Anyways, it goes on to say that they eventually convinced them to sell and they bought it out and dug everyone up. They bought another piece of property and moved all the graves. Wow. What, a, yeah. cons what a considerate solution. Yeah, they bought them out. But yeah, lots of red flags there. You, you're talking about, um, you know, a mound, a giant granite building, building golf courses over a cemetery. And that would seem perhaps coincidental if it wasn't for the fact that this is something you'll find over and over again. <clears throat> yeah. The one in the golf course in uh, St. Andrews, the original old course at St. Andrews has a cemetery on uh, on the grounds as this old cemetery. No coincidence. Mm -hmm. um, is it, Yeah, I'll just keep going. If you want me to stop, just let me know. No, it's great. Great stuff. <clears throat> Golf course and cemetery. Um, all these articles um, are from 1850 or 1890 to like 1910, 1920 at the latest. Mm -hmm. Golf course and cemetery. Unique, unique golf items come from foreign lands from time to time. One of the latest being an account of a Chinese course, which has been laid out in a large cemetery. The rather gruesome links are located near Tianjin, And as Chinese bury their dead just below the surface of the ground and then mound up the earth to a considerable height, the course has been aptly termed one of a thousand bunkers oh my god yeah right that's a good one right because you got the people burying their dead in mounds mounting up the earth and they're just playing around these people you know for you know <laughs> special yeah. ground rules prevail including one which permits a player to lift his ball from a freshly dug grave oh the chinese god. caddies receive five cents per round of 18 holes chinese caddies too jesus yeah yep Chinese caddies probably watching Europeans play over the graves of their ancestors. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I got, we could go all day with eight polo being played. Um, well, that's an auto, you know, you just had the first, the guy that brought, not brought, but established, um, you know, cemented golf in America, auto con. What were you just looking at? What? This? Yeah. Does that say Otto Vaughn? Oh, yeah. What a, what a coincidence. A different Otto, huh? right? Yeah, different Otto. But yeah, um, you know what's funny, too, is Autocon, um, he had a, he, his favorite place was Florida. 
Was it? And he had a course in Florida. Really? Yeah, and a mansion there too. Huh. Um, I don't have anything offhand for that, but we can talk about that off. Well, here, let me. Whoops. I, you I can bring him up on Wiki right. if you want, and I believe there's a link there, but if not, we can. Um, here, I want to show you this last picture. I showed you one picture of the. Uh... Because as you keep saying cemetery, I keep thinking semitic and seminal, okay. right? And something else that starts with a sem that may have been, was getting used and mixing cement maybe, but. Um, oh yeah, the cement word. I didn't even think make that correlation. Mm -hmm. Seminal cement. Hmm. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah, yeah where, where does the tabby come from? Um, you know, they, they've rediscovered Roman concrete through um seminoles not seminal not officially seminoles but seminal territory the natives that lived in there um <clears throat> were building the tabby and that's where you get saint augustine using starting to use the kakina but here's you know the city i was born in is most famous for its cement really portland yeah. cement yeah yeah Mm -hmm. They were shipping their cement all over the world. Well, what's Portland cement? Does it belong to Portland or is it a cement that goes along with ports like yeah. the Yucatan, like yeah. Florida, like mm -hmm. Gotland, like, you know? Yeah. The, but, the narrative that we're told is that we just have the Columbia River so old it has such fine sand that it's like the best chemical composition for making strong, sturdy cement. Mm -hmm. Anyways, keep going. No, oh, yeah. Look at the caddies are Seminoles. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about what I think about the Chinese and what a Chinese person really was. You know, you know, Chinese mm -hmm. were the Babylonians. Hmm. And we've talked about the Olmec. Well, when you see old, old Persian art and like paintings, it looks definitively Chinese. The Agreed. people even look Chinese. A lot of times they'll even have the mustaches. Yep. We um, talked about the cue as well, the hairstyle mm -hmm. and how you important know, that is. You can the word the world. The word oriental it was used to describe like Persian aesthetic and Chinese aesthetic mm -hmm. uh, most commonly. But yeah, seminoles as caddies. Common occurrence. I don't know if this was, was just a uh Here's the other picture we were looking at. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a coincidence, you know. What is, you know, why does he have his bow? Yeah, that's interesting. Look at the clothing too, you know. Yeah, well, this is this is honestly more of the Mikasuki type Seminoles that do look more like um, Peruvian phenotypes. Yeah, very, very even the clothing is kind of Peruvian, but you find the tartan oh, yeah. clothing in Peru as well and Mexico. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah. Um, you want to get into polo before? Sure. Yeah. Whatever, whatever else you had. Um, I know you wanted to talk about polo a little bit too. So maybe we can just bounce off each other here. <clears throat> sure. Um, yeah. I'll share my screen. Well, I, I, did have, I did have one last one. Yeah, please. Because um, it went 
along with what you were saying. And I said I was going to show it earlier, but I forgot to. Um, here, this one. I skipped this one unintentionally. Golf club built Perfect. on slaves' graves sparks debate on how to honor the dead. The discovery of 40 graves on a country club in Florida has focused attention on the South's unmarked slave cemeteries. The rumors swirled for decades, a dark history, long lay buried under the grassy knolls and manicured lawns of a country club. Um, and the US Capitol has a lawn. It's like golf grass, like Bermuda grass. Also, what's Bermuda grass? You know, that's a funny name for it. But manicured lawns of a country club in Florida's capital city, Tallahassee, or as I like to pronounce it now, Tallahassee. Over the years, neat rows of rectangular depressions along the seventh fairway deepened in the grass, outlining what would become, what would be confirmed this month as sunken graves of the slaves who lived and died on a plantation that once sprawled with cotton near the Florida capital. The discovery of 40 graves, with perhaps dozens more yet to be found, has spawned a discussion about how to honor those who lie in rest at the golf course. It's like, at this point, golf course is synonymous with grave, if not mass grave, right? 100%. It's just and so, war. It's just, exactly, it's so obvious. They're battlefields. Um, club, secret societies, country club, war club, course, corpse, in corpse, golf. subterranean. Mm -hmm. There's tons yep. of these courses where they have underground tunnels. Um, these mound yeah. complexes were more than just burial mounds. Many of them were um, underground or at one time probably not underground, but above ground um, mm -hmm. infrastructure. And, yeah. Yeah. You could underground, you could, you know, there's tunnels under the Mississippi that connect the mounds. Mm -hmm. There's tunnels that go from mounds into the mountain. And again, anyone not familiar with my work, I've showed that almost all the mountain ranges in America, if not the world, are crisscrossed with hundreds and hundreds of miles of tunnels. Mm -hmm. And in some of these tunnels are some of the most amazing things you can imagine. You know, w Wakula Springs in Florida which is yeah. the, the largest, deepest, and highest magnitude spring in the world, Wakula Springs or Wakala, Allah, however you want to fit. It just sounds very uh, Arabic. They have, oh, fuck, what were you just saying? What were you just talking about? <laughs> I'm in such a brain pocket. Got okay, you. No, that's not <laughs> good. That's my constant state of existence, so don't worry. Um, oh, fuck, what was I going to say? <laughs> I'm just Wakula. happy I've made it this long. <clears throat> Wakula Springs, Wakula Springs. Well, and it's funny too, you mentioned uh, Tallahassee. Remember what they called Tallahassee? They called it Rome. the Athens. Yeah, yeah, we've, yeah, we've seen it called Rome, Athens, and Jerusalem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have, I have. I've um, seen Jerusalem and Athens and Rome, but remember, I think Rome was really popular for Tampa too. Yes. And if you look at Florida and Italy overlaid with each other, they're like geometrically mm -hmm. in the same position mm -hmm. of the uh, state and country. Same angle. 
They're yeah. both. But Italy is the boot because it looks like the boot. Florida is the boot because it's ruled by Pisces, the shoe, the foot. Right. You know, one's the foot, one's the boot. Oh, God damn it. What was I going to say about what cool this brings? Motherfucker. And this brings Janice into it too because we talked about Janice's two face or, or Hercules and Poseidon. <clears throat> Which, you know, Janice is the was the main god of Italy. You know, supposedly he was Noah and he landed in Italy <clears throat> in some of their narratives. Well, something I was going to say earlier that I forgot to say was what's Caribbean? Does anyone know where the Caribbean, the word Caribbean comes from? It's from the Carib people native to the Caribbean and Florida and Northern uh, South America, Carib people. Well, that sounds a lot like Arab people, does it not? Yeah. Caribbean, Arabian, Arabian. I think if they went with Caribic or Carabic ocean, it would have been way too obvious. So, yeah. they, went, so they went with Caribbean, right? Instead yeah. Carabic ocean. Yeah, and especially, you know, you look on enough maps and you find many of the cities on the Gulf were Arabic, the names, mm -hmm. when you go far enough back. A ton. Yeah, so. A ton. Couldn't make it too obvious. And you find the same thing in the Mediterranean. Man, I'm going to get so, so angry that I forgot what I was trying to say. Do you want me just to keep reading some more and maybe it'll come to you? Yeah, for sure. For sure. <clears throat> I only got about 10 more minutes. So we'll just try to go Yeah, we're winding up. Um, okay, you're sharing perfect. Indian axe head unearthed on a golf course. <clears throat> Madison, a six and a quarter pound. Six and a quarter pound. It's pretty big. Indian stone axes unearthed in Nakoma, a suburb west of Madison, by workmen laying out a new golf course. It was reported by Charles E. Brown, State Historical Library curator and member of the Nakoma Club. A portion of the Nakoma grounds was once the site of a Winnebago Indian village. Indian axes have been found before, but few were found other than the ceremonial axes, which weighed more than one and a half pounds along the shore of the Lake Wingra, on which the Nakoma lands bordered their 190 mounds. Then the amount of mounds is just absolutely ridiculous. 190 individual mounds. Yeah. And I showed you that picture earlier of the people just hitting and there's just like mounds everywhere, you know. You know, now it's not that obvious today, but think about then. That's what they were playing with. The mounds are just sticking up everywhere. You know, those are mm -hmm. your obstacles. You know, you're hitting around, hitting the mounds. You're just stomping on sacred ground the whole time you were playing this game. Yes. <clears throat> and they took over all of the underground facilities. I mean, all these golf courses. Um, okay. Any of you out there who want to take this any further, you can just Google, like you said, you only, you didn't have to search very hard to find anything. Just search golf subterranean or golf underground. And there's so many golf courses that have these weird underground stories. You know, it's like these cities that have all these underground parts. Mm -hmm. Well, in, in Florida, especially in Tampa Bay area is the sinkhole capital of the world. Mm -hmm. And that that's directly linked with the Kakina aquifer underneath. Yeah. Yep. because it's it's like crumbling concrete essentially yep. and it it'll just cave in at any given moment uh big big sections and tampa bay is basically the capital of, of that 
Now I, I remembered what I was, uh, what I wanted to say. Uh, you were yeah. talking about tunnels and networks and how, you know, there must be hundreds, if not thousands, of miles of tunnels. You know, I, I know there are. I I don't yeah. need to be. I don't need to be convinced. I don't but, either. But but for someone who might be skeptical, Wakula Springs in Florida alone, that is largest, deepest highest magnitude spring in the world in florida just that one spring just that one spring head has 12 miles of tracked network yeah. under underground tunnel network and that's in the wikipedia mm -hmm. that's what they've measured and are willing to tell you that's one spring in florida 12 miles of plotted underground tunnel yeah i mean how much is in that's in a state that has zero elevation yeah and zero you remember that article elevation. i shared with you from the 18 mid 1800s in florida mm -hmm. where they talked about um that you could drive a steamship underground yes. all over the florida mm -hmm. that the tunnels crisscrossed the whole state and that they were big enough to fit a ship and that people mm -hmm. were traversing them and that Marco Polo article is the same thing. They're in a cave that's a long tunnel that they couldn't traverse the whole thing. So you can only imagine when the water level was at the point where your bog people were on the edge of the ocean, where they're most likely their habitation was. Hmm. Florida, you could you could go at, from the Atlantic into the Gulf, right through Florida, I'm sure. Plus, Florida has some of the oldest canals in the country. I can't. I mean, I shared an article with you where they couldn't find the bottom, and when they finally did, they found those trees, those gigantic cedar trees mm -hmm. that weren't even from the area. They were lining the bottom of the canal. Yeah, they call them can canoe highways, but yeah. they're dredged. Yeah, you know, they're advanced not... machinery. Yeah, and they Deep. were they were so large. They're so small now because the water levels come up. But we've mm -hmm. talked about how outside of Tampa they had so much canal work <clears throat> it's the venice talking, yeah it's your it's your it's your atlantis size ships these mm -hmm. canals were so large they were for like cruise ships size or larger as we've said you know a thousand footers you take into account your stone anchors on top of the atlantis mm -hmm. concepts and the canal work two of those two of those stone anchors could hold a aircraft carrier exactly and i mean that sums it up right there and the canals mm -hmm. suggest the same thing um the dredging off the coast of tampa that you've shown already in that video same mm -hmm. thing it's just the evidence is so strong <clears throat> oh yeah yeah all roads lead to rome all yep. roads lead to roads city florida as they say yeah um, i love that picture he's yeah, yeah and like I said, I have I have family in Rome and I've been there so many times. And I, you know, I was too young to really appreciate it, but I remember everyone saying that that Rome, Georgia was mirrored just like Rome, Italy. And that they have seven hills with the same narrative as Rome, Italy, you know. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's, it's Tallahassee has the seven hills too. Yeah, it's everywhere. There are tons of places. Mm -hmm. Anyways, and we, you know, it's like we could go all day. What what came first? You know, we just, we just, all the 
people came over here and were naming everything after the East? I don't think so. <clears throat> and yeah, for again, for those who aren't familiar with my articles, there are two, if not three, levels of civilization below our feet. And it's quite amazing what they were uncovering, especially subterranean wise. But yeah, um, should we finish up with just some some polo overlays? Sure. Um, the Americans who visited Moscow during Mr. Bullet's residence, I believe he was the ambassador. I looked him up. I can't remember exactly. There's something along those lines. Residents there said that there was a charming, homey, hospitable atmosphere about the embassy and that his little daughter just turned into her teens and was blah, 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 blah. Um, natu natural manners are very likable. She is fine horsewoman. Okay, blah, blah, blah. She's interested and pleased. Her father started a flair for polo in Russia. If there mm. were Cossacks playing, it must have been thrilling when they started riding down the field. The rules have changed. The rules may have changed, but the Persians in Russia in the dawn of the early centuries knew about polo and the Mongols and the Tartars, both wow. of whom are ancestors of millions of Russians, produced many a ten-goal man in past generations. So ten-goal man means a man who scored ten goals. Yep. That's amazing. <clears throat> so, yeah, um, lots of overlays when you look into polo. You find that the Tartars, polo it's is the, ancient. It's the sport of Tartaria. Exactly. Yeah, and the yeah. horse. We've talked about the horse, the seahorse, you know. Um, uh, Poseidon, you know, the horse symbology, the history, the oldest horse, horses originated in America uh, and went outward. Mm -hmm. Just like the camel. The oldest camel remains are from America. The uh -huh. oldest elephant remains are from America. Well, the oldest horse remains are from America. Mm -hmm. Polo was played from the backs of horses in Persia during the 10th and 11th centuries. At the time, the Persians in a great contest, Iran versus Turin, found their match in the Turks, greatly to the disgust of King Afrasiab. The Byzantine poet Nizami sung of polo in the 12th century. The polo spread from Persia into Central Asia, India, and Tibet in the 16th century, when the great emperor Akbar patronized it. In Japan, the game is at least a thousand years old and is still popular under the name Da Kin, or Ball Match. This article is long. I won't read the whole thing, but it calls polo the ancient sport, or the royal sport, that all of the, you know, the nobles, again, you've already mentioned this, so it kind of is a synopsis. People can just screenshot this or pause the video if they want to read the whole thing. Um, kind of summarizes what you were saying, that it was for the elites. Um, this is where field hockey and lacrosse come from because the people who couldn't afford horses or weren't horse clans, the native, mm -hmm. not all the Indians rode horses, but a lot right. of them did. And most of them were west of the Mississippi, the horse riding natives mm -hmm. Makes or, sense. or whatever you want to call them. That also was a huge Tartar overlay and Scythian. The Scythians were some of the most horse driven people mm -hmm. as well as the Persians. Yep. So, you can take a lot of your old videos and your work and overlay it with the horse, and you'll find that the horse matches these same groups of people that we're linguistically tying to these parts of America. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Undoubtedly, yeah. I mean, for me, it's you know, I just want to show, share everyone 
Um, using a graveyard for golf brings rebuke in Ohioans. Basically, these people were playing golf in a graveyard and they got arrested. And uh, huh. yeah, so this was something that, like, even when it wasn't allowed, that people were doing it. So, like, this, this exactly what is compelling exactly to yeah. do it beyond yeah. ritual means. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a it's a that goes back to the necrogeomancy thing, um, and the cement yeah. companies that are tied in with the golf courses, and that there will almost always be in a large grouping of courses where you have many courses, there will be a cement company, <clears throat> and the Bush family is tied in with the cement companies. Oh, and the largest financer of Bush, Mr. Gulf War was yep. the the largest financer of his campaign was the man who owns the most golf courses or did i think he passed wow. away wow so golf bush golf was a, cement yep. these things are all overlaid we and, didn't even we didn't even get into the gulf war as much as i would have wanted to but during the gulf war <coughs> gulf wars the continuations of them the iraq war you know of course these were bush driven wars the bushes at this time were ruling from florida jeb was the governor um you know daddy and son george bush were both presidents jeb was governor of florida and um you know we also didn't go into the flag now you have flags being most commonly deployed in warfare up until recently. Yeah, banners. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And flags were worshipped too. Mm -hmm. In the Mongolian times, Genghis Khan, the flag was considered a living thing. So lots of tie-ins there, especially mm -hmm. from a necrotic standpoint. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but, um, let's... Uh, Wrap, wrap it up, up here. Sure. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, that was a good one. I think we probably could even do another one about golf segueing into something else. Um, the Gulf War. I'd love to tie up some stuff on that. But thanks for tuning in, guys. Make sure to go check out Ben at Waking Up with Analog on YouTube, on Instagram, and Twitter, and Facebook, or just those two? No, never had Facebook. Okay, sorry. One underscore analog underscore nine. So that's his handle on both Twitter and Instagram. It is absolutely worth a follow, and we're going to work on getting some content up on on his YouTube, because I know people are are uh, aching for that. But yeah, uh, I was worried for... I wasn't even going to make this, but too good of a subject to pass up. So I'm glad I was well enough to, because I've been running a fever the last two days. So, oh man, <clears throat> glad we could Fresh. make it happen. And yeah, we Fresh. could go for another two hours, you know, because if you want to go golf war, we go geopolitical, <laughs> yeah. and all the deals are made on the course. All business deals are made on the course. Yeah. Um, masonry, you want to climb the political ladder, masonry and a golf membership are the yes. two most important things you need. Yep. 
And where do you where do you go if you don't want to get bugged? Where do rich people the golf go course. when they don't want people listening in? Yeah. And child, you know, again, this is going to lead down the road that got radio tartary white. So, but it's a slippery slope, and this you understand what the underground symbolizes. All the things you want to keep out of the light of day, and mm -hmm. let me tell you, they all exist on the golf course. Drug use. Mm -hmm. All the naughty stuff you can imagine. It's quite dark and the elite and yeah. the golf course. Yeah. Well, it's more all related. More Scorpio themes. Exactly. Yeah, coming, that's so key. Coming from the Scottish, coming from the Scythians. Mm -hmm. um, and it, like like you're saying, it's an underworld sport, underground. Mm -hmm. look, sub. It's kind of one of the only subterranean that sports that features a subterranean aspect right yeah exactly. Bunker, bunkers underneath the hole going underneath gophers you know gopher and golf actually come from the same word golf golf which means fool so uh, oh well we were talking about april fool's day earlier i didn't i sh should have brought that up golf means fool but whatever we're, we're we talked about the jester yeah exactly and that's an important symbol with all this mm -hmm. stuff being a fool, acting a fool, playing a fool. Uh, jesters in the cards too. Clubs being one of the four suits. Exactly. Jupiter, king of clubs. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But let's sign off before we keep talking. Yeah. Anymore. Thanks but, so much um, for having me. You know, as always, sure. it's such a great, fantastic talk. And look at all the people joining us tonight. It's just it's crazy. It's fantastic. It's crazy. Yeah, I didn't think we could fill up a fill up that many people on such a uh you know trivial topic but it's not so trivial no it's not it's day. really not if we got into the geopolitical thing with shout out victor bouge the guy who hosted radio tartary that i co-hosted for about a year with him mm -hmm. good friend of mine amazing researcher he was deplatformed from everything damn facebook instagram youtube everything gone and it was this rabbit hole right here that he started to connect the geopolitical world uh, with what was really going on, <laughs> trafficking of all kinds of things you can imagine, fill in the blanks, and golf and politics. It's quite dark. So mm -hmm. luckily we kept it more of a historical with some good articles and some good, you know, breaking down the etymology of words and stuff, the correlations there. Mm -hmm. So we kind of kept out of the the darker parts of it. But yeah, you could it people should just start looking into them for themselves. It's quite a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Robert Barron's hidden history. It's all connected to golf. But yeah, mm -hmm. thanks again for having me. Of course. I hope everyone enjoyed this. Um, I was a little under the weather, so I was kind of out of it. And But yeah, so happy I could make it. All good. Your 50% is five times, others 100. So no, good. Don't worry. But uh, mm -hmm. thanks for coming on. Yeah. No and. Problem. Guys, make sure you go check out Mark, who who uh, ducked out earlier. We were supposed to have Juan tonight too. He couldn't make it. He's got, you know, he's a dad. He's got a life, uh, important life. We're glad to have him when we do, and we're glad, happy to have Ben when we can. Um, I'm the person that has the least going on. That's why you see the most of me, but um. Yeah. So good night, guys. We'll see you soon. Probably going to go live in a couple of days on another topic. 
but uh, good night. Good night, guys. Thanks again for joining in. Peace. Peace. All right, and there it is, folks. Old World Florida. You can go to his channel on YouTube to find more great videos, more content like what you heard in this episode. Thank you for being here, folks. Be sure to sign up on the Patreon to get all of this content. Uh, normally, episodes like this are only posted on the Patreon as a swap cast. Sometimes I'll post them on the normal feed, but you get all the bonus episodes if you sign up on Patreon. We also have a Substack. A lot of the people who have been signed up on the Patreon for more than a year, uh, check your email. I automatically gave you a free subscription to the Substack, uh, so check that out. And yeah, folks, if you'd like to sign up at the $8 tier on the Patreon, I will automatically uh, sign you up on the Substack for the same tier. So there you go. No need to sign up for both. You could just sign up for the Patreon. You get all the content plus the bonus stuff on the Substack if you're at that $8 tier. Everybody else below uh, $8 on Patreon, if you're not willing to, to up your subscription, just send me a message and I will give you a few months uh, subscription to the Substack so you can check it out and see if it's worth uh, your purchase, worth your money, or maybe just worth upgrading to the $8 tier on Patreon. So thanks folks for everybody who's in that. Uh, thank you to everybody listening to the show or watching the show on Rockfin. And of course, thanks to you, the freeloaders who listen to the show for free. I say that with love. I do appreciate all of you who tune into the show. But if you want to keep this show going, please don't forget this is a value for value show. So we need your support, whether that's through Patreon, uh, whether that's through Rockfin, or even by purchasing merch, going to the Ko-Fi store, picking up one of the PDFs that I've written, uh, or possibly sending a one-time donation. If you're somebody who is signed up uh, for a monthly subscription, you want to just send a one-time donation. Or if you don't want to sign up for a subscription, you just want to send a one-time donation, uh, I will give you a shout out. So uh, keep that in mind and I appreciate it. Whatever you do, whatever you choose to do, wherever you are, you're already spending enough time here on the My Family Fix Up Crazy podcast. Uh, and this week, we're jam-packing the RSS feed with episodes. Between now and 2023, there will be a new episode or a re-air of an episode I've done on another podcast that's never before been heard here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast feed. So please stay tuned and we'll see you very soon with another episode. Thank you for being here and immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now.